Hello, friends, and even those that don't like us. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. And it has been a while, but we're happy to be here. And it only took like two or three pounds pounding on the trash can uh, with this baseball bat to finally get your attention and jump on board and record this podcast. So I'm glad that you're that you're here and happy that we're finally able to reconnect, man. It's crazy how the Astros were like the epitome of tanking and losing and you know, Sports Illustrated had their proclamation a few years in advance that they would win the World Series, and then they did, and it was like, oh, here's this justification for analytics and for advanced thinking and for tearing it all down to the studs and building through the draft and international. <clears throat> and then now they're like the most hated team in the league by far, and it's just the, the story arc here is so fascinating to me. Um. Yeah, I guess you either live long enough to uh, be the hero or the villain. <laughs> Don't even try. That is terrible. That's not even anywhere close to what the quote is. <laughs> <laughs> That's from a movie, uh, isn't it? Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, it's it's part of the Dark Knight. Yes, so that is a, a thing that is said in a movie. So congratulations. How's your Disney or? What is the Disney Plus membership? I mean, it's the only movies you watch, so I figured you had already linked up. And this is not a sponsored segment either, by the way. <laughs> no, that is funny. Um, I I do not. But have if Disney you'd Plus like to, <laughs> I was a Nickelodeon kid growing up. I, I was. I think I was too old for the Disney rush. I don't know. I grew up on Rugrats and Doug and Hey Arnold and all that. Literally all that. The only movies that you've watched are Disney <laughs> originated. Yeah, I mean, your favorite movie like is The Lion King. <laughs> there's only like four Disney movies okay. that I've seen. So, so then I guess the... <laughs> that's just going to be the question. Is it worth having a streaming service only so that you can stream The Lion King 24 7? No. Uh, because uh, no one has DVD players or Blu-ray players or any of that stuff anymore, right? It's all gone. I just realized this week that my car doesn't even have a CD player anymore. And my wife comes home from uh, the doctors with uh, my two kids. Uh, nothing wrong, by the way. They're just getting their shots. And they come back with a book and a CD. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know the last time I saw a CD player in this house or ever that was working. It has been forever since I've listened to a CD or put a DVD in a DVD player. When's the last time you ever did any of that stuff? It's crazy to think that, like, iPods are extinct. Because that was such a, a revolutionary invention. And it seemed like iPods would be around forever. And now, like, I think I was the last person who ever used an iPod. Because I used one up until a couple of years ago. Um, and even I'm past that. So, yeah. It reminds me of that meme about the kids that go outside to play for the last time and none of you know it. You know, the last time you, you stuck a DVD in your DVD player and you didn't even know it would be the last time you'd ever do it. You probably would have appreciated it. Do you still have, have a VCR? <laughs> I don't. I think my parents might somewhere in the basement. We had this this VCR probably belonged to the Flintstones. Uh, 
it was awful, 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 an awful piece of technology that we had in our house when I was growing up for the longest time. And I mean, we even we graduated to the point where DVD players were available and we stuck with this old VCR and it was like roulette. But it was even more dangerous than loading a gun with one bullet and putting it to your head because this thing ate your tapes left and right. I would say two of every three tapes that got stuck to or got stuck in this VCR, the tape got eaten. And then you'd have to pull the tape out and hope that you could fix it. And sometimes you just had to like cut the tape because there's no other way to get it out of there. So if you were to go to Blockbuster, there's another blast from the past. Be kind, and, please rewind. And and throw one of those tapes in there. You just had to cross your fingers that it wasn't going to eat Marty McFly and Back to the Future. You just had to pray that it was going to hold up and you're going to be able to watch that thing. All right, you mentioned Blockbuster. Remember how they always had the the little bin toward the front of the store where you could buy movies for like 4.99? Of course. Here's your opportunity. I'm setting you up. Transition to what we're talking talking about uh, bargain bin uh, and all these tapes are now in the dumpsters out back who who would i know that does business that way or maybe builds a baseball team that way hmm well we're certainly not talking about the team that was using all the technology anymore in the astros we've made fun of them enough and i think we all uh, realize it's probably going on a lot more than just Houston, but they are maybe the biggest uh, uh, advocates for doing so. The Indians have been accused of that in the past, but none of that has anything to do with their plight in free agency and how they're going to go about fixing the holes in this roster. You tried. You, you, you sort of tried. You had some ideas, and, and we are approaching like presidential election season. Everybody has ideas, but are they any good? Well, I'll leave that to you to lay out why your ideas are any good. So do we agree that they need a one-year stopgap on the infield? At least, yes. I think it's their biggest pressing need. Maybe like a one-year deal with a team option for a second year in the event that Nolan Jones isn't quite ready or the the free agent they signed proves to be really good. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And they also, I think their biggest asset is their flexibility in that they don't really have to worry so much about position. They could probably just go get the best bat they could for the price that they can afford. But all that aside, yes, I think we all agree that infield should be at the top of their list because as we pointed out in past podcasts, while the outfield picture might not be great, they at least have some options there. I don't know that they have great options right now in the infield. Okay, so I, I think we both agree also, like, like a trade for Whit Merrifield would be the dream scenario because he's, he's under control for a few more years. He doesn't make much money. He's a hitting machine. He could play second base. If you needed to move him to the outfield, you could. Put him at the top of the order, and, and he's he's one guy who you could hit leadoff where it makes sense if you still have Francisco Lindor to move Francisco Lindor out of that leadoff spot, which I know is something both of us would prefer. You just have to have the right guy hitting in front of him. Um, but I, trading for Merrifield is difficult. They want a lot. It doesn't make much sense because they're rebuilding, but whatever. So let's say that's not on the table. I think 
All right. Well, I'll just cross off the number one thing (laughs) on my list here. Well, from my perspective, if you're going to spend a little bit in free agency and if they go by last year's opening day payroll, they've got 15 to 20 million to spend. It doesn't you're not going to get the kind of outfield. It's not a good outfield market and you're not going to get I mean, you're not going to get Marcelo Zuna. There's not much else out there that isn't just another part-time question mark, which you already have a bunch of. Like, is what you're going to sign for an outfielder, are you sure it's better than what Daniel Johnson might be able to give you? Are you sure it's better than what Jordan Luplo might be able to give you if he plays 150 games? There's not a lot that, not a lot of options out there that you can definitively say, this guy can play, he can get 600 plate appearances for us and play left or right field every day. So I think the most sensible option is, one, if you're going to add to your outfield, you do so via trade. And two, the way to spend the little bit of money that you have is on that infielder. And it's the perfect year to do that. No, there's not like 10 guys who are going to hit 300 with a 900 OPS and deliver power and gold glove defense. And those guys are going to cost a lot more anyway. But this is better than... It's a lot better of a group than your Hanley Ramirez's and your Carlos Gonzalez's and the other guys you were considering last year. So, I mean, we can – do you have a power rankings of your, your favorites? Do you want me to go through the list really quick? <laughs> I mean, you can list some of the guys that you think make sense. I have a feeling we're going to overlap quite a bit. But, I, I mean, I even separated them into – Guys that I think they should pursue, but I don't think that they will for whatever reason, and guys that I think are are within their price range that they could pursue. I I, I don't think there should be a difference between the two lists, but we know in the realm of reality with this baseball team how they're going to operate, kind of how you need to separate it. Well, why don't we start with, why don't you name the guys you think will not happen for one reason or another? Uh, of that list, I think Mike Moustakis is extremely uh, unlikely to happen because of the market that he's played in the last couple of years, what better scenario would there have been the past two years for them to go out and sign him, given what's happened? And is he going to take another one-year deal? I, I think we're in a a place now where he probably is going to earn multiple years. And I just don't see them offering that. Um, I think if you're talking, are we talking just infield or are we mixing in outfielders too? Just infield. Well, most of the guys that I wrote down that are unlikely um, are part of the outfield. Like you were talking guys that you aren't sure are, are upgrades over what you have. And that, and that's a fair point. Well, I also go back to what we talked about earlier this this offseason. I'm not as much concerned about how many stars you can squeeze into the lineup. While that would be a nice problem to have, I, I'm thinking more about creating depth and having guys that I at least know I can count on to be average players where they're giving me a win and a half, two wins on a season. And I just feel strongly about their ability to do that. So when I write down names like Corey Dickerson or mm-hmm. even Brett, Brett Gardner or, or Yasiel Puig going back that route. Ooh. Those are guys that I don't think are likely, but I think they should be explored. Uh, and I even wrote down, <laughs> you, you, you said no in your recent mailbag, but I wrote down another name, another former Indian, Edwin Encarnacion, 
if he's signing a one year, six, seven, eight million dollar deal because of the flexibility that you have, I know your top your your top want desire is not to play Fran Reyes 140 games in right field. But if you're only looking for cheap offense, I think you could still get it with with Edwin. So I mean those are some of the names that I wrote down that I don't think are and, likely, but I think should be explored. And I'm fine with those. I, I like Dickerson. I, I honestly think I I think I would non tender Tyler Naquin. Instead of paying him four million dollars for part of a season, um I just I I would rather spend that money on someone proven like Dickerson. Maybe he could platoon with, with Luplo. I like that better as, as more of a sure thing. And you're getting a full season's worth, but that that's a separate conversation. The thing with Encarnacion is, you know, if you only have say 15 million to spend and you know, you absolutely must fix second base sure. and you probably like when I'm thinking of, Trading for an outfielder, I'm thinking of someone like Starling Marte or, I don't know, Nomar Mazzara, although I don't love him, Trey Mancini, someone like that who's going to make a little bit of money and eat up some of that financial flexibility. And that, therefore, I'm not crazy about devoting money to a DH when that's going to hamstring me elsewhere. Plus, and I, I think Encarnacion still has some production left in his bat, but like, it's like we've seen so many times, like you sign the veteran and like you have Bobby Bradley there. And I, I don't know if Bobby Bradley's going to amount to anything in the majors. Yeah. But don't you want to find out instead of like, what if Encarnacion falls off a cliff and he's struggling? And like, when do you pull the cord? Oh, I feel better. Turn things over. I feel better though about Edwin's chances to go out and have a productive year than I do about all the uncertainty of Bobby Bradley for all the reasons that we talked about throughout the whole summer. And even a couple of podcasts ago when we were saying you can't just hand him a job based on profile and how we've seen past hitters. It doesn't mean that he can't become a great hitter or even a good hitter or even just a solid hitter. But we're talking if we're just talking about things that I feel much better about, I I would feel better about going out of the gates with a little bit more of a proven commodity. I, I get your point about it not being devoting money to a DH not being the kind of the tops of your list, but this all doesn't happen in a vacuum either. You, you operate with a sense of what all your options are elsewhere. So I'm not just saying it based on, well, make that your first priority and go get that guy. Cause I don't think I went in Carnacion is going to sign tomorrow, but I, I do think if you're at a point in the off season where maybe some of your other options aren't quite where you want them to be, I think you need to use the flexibility that you have to be able to put guys in different places to just go get offense. Sure. I said this last winter. I, I didn't care as much about position as I did just go get guys that are going to produce runs for you and then figure out the rest later. You wouldn't prefer to have a bad defensive outfield. We saw this year when you had a good defensive outfield. I think that made a little bit more of a difference tangibly and sometimes intangibly with the pitching staff. But I'm still thinking about how I can create runs. And I think Edwin should not be just dismissed because he is just primarily going to be a DH. That's just that's my, my take on it. No, and that's, I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just, to me, it's, and I would rather spend that money on him than not spend it at all. Um, but <laughs> I, I, that's, 
that, but that's a lot of things would have to fall through before I reached that point. That's all. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I have the same thing and I, this is over on the other side of the column where I think it's reasonable and I, 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 I guess I could envision it more, more likely that they pursue someone that is swinging from the left hand side. Cause that would be my, that would be my goal. And if that is the case, if I'm looking for left-handed power as opposed to guys that swing from the right side, because as opposed to years past, I feel like they've got enough right-handed thump to balance out the lineup. I want guys that are going to fit the park better. And typically left-handed hitters are going to be, are, are going to have a more favorable time hitting at progressive field. And I'm looking at a guy like Eric Thames, who probably would still be in Milwaukee if it wasn't for financial issues. He, he still has an ability to get on base a ton and put up numbers against right-handed pitching. So that would be a that, guy that I would absolutely target. Okay, that's nice. But how about my second base problem? Well, you stick him at second base, and who cares? Just strike everybody out. Um, I mean, so for the infield, <laughs> there's so many options. Everybody has baggage. Everybody has something interesting about them, I think. Uh, and, and as we mentioned, I mean, they have the flexibility where they can look at second baseman, they can look at third baseman, they can look at shortstops who probably shouldn't play shortstop anymore. Um, this is really the perfect storm for them in terms of what they need and how they typically operate. But if we list, do we agree Didi Gregorius is maybe in his own kind of category away from yeah. the rest of... Yeah, he. I mean, he's such an interesting case where it's... Some of his numbers, in your head, you think of all the big postseason moments and all the big hits he's come up with. And he, he kind of has, I mean, he, he was tasked with replacing Derek Jeter and in some ways kind of follows a similar, similar timeline where he gets probably overinflated a bit because of all the big moments that he's been a part of. But if you actually looked at the numbers, he's not great. He's really solid. Um, when healthy, above average bat, but not, not like a superstar. So... Do you pay him more based on reputation and what he's done in the playoffs and the fact that that he has done all of those things? Or do you look at the fact that he wasn't healthy, maybe he shouldn't play shortstop anymore? I think he's a really interesting case of how teams will handle him this postseason. And I think he's going to be in so much demand from enough teams that it's going to inhibit the Indians' ability to sign him, pay him, and put him at second base. Yeah, I mean, I've said he's the perfect fit because in an ideal world, he's your second baseman. He, we know he hits well at progressive field. Corey Kluber doesn't have to face him. And if you do end up trading Francisco Lindor and don't get a shortstop back in the deal, slide Didi over to shortstop, find someone else to play second or third base. Like It, it is the perfect fit. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, he just had, he like he's going to be the Reds shortstop or he's going to be somebody's shortstop he i think there are too many teams that have bigger needs that he could fit and for more money so i i i think that's he's he's like my ideal scenario but i think he's pretty much off limits just in terms of what they'll be able to do and i think there's enough guys out there that can play second base that are at least in the ballpark i mean you're getting your most out of Didi gregorius when he's playing shortstop because he's not putting up gigantic numbers 
at least from a run creation standpoint. I mean, you can look at some of the power numbers, but how much did he benefit from playing in Yankee Stadium? I've, I've read plenty of, of people that have dug into it and think he'd benefited a lot from playing at Yankee Stadium. That at least worries me a little bit. And so if you're not playing him at shortstop, I, mean, I know it changes if you trade Lindor, but we both kind of agree that's probably not going to happen. Um, I just don't think you're getting your most out of him based on what you're going to have to pay him. And there are so many, there are enough other guys that are at least close to average with the bat. It's like, eh, do you need to spend that amount of money to go get him? I don't, I don't think you do. At least not what, what in my mind it's probably going to take to get him to sign here. Okay, so I've got. <laughs> you're 13... so mad. I'm sorry for just pooping all over your plan. <laughs> I've got. Do you have any more outfielders you want to talk about, you jerk? Uh, yeah, let's talk about DHs. I have 13 names. Let's go one by one. I'll read a name. You tell me how interested what do what? What you are. Do you, what do you want? One to ten interest level? Well, yeah, I was trying to think of a game we could turn this into, but... Um, <laughs> no, just, yeah, tell me one through ten. Who wants how, to be the Indian second baseman? How interested you You could just get Regis Philbin in here to take care of the rest. They would be great. Well, no lifelines for this. <laughs> All right, you tell me how interested you are in that player being your starting second baseman for 2020. All right. Um, we're going to do this. This will be alphabetical order. So okay. We'll start with as Drupal Cabrera, our old friend. Uh, so 10 is super excited and one Ten being... sign him tomorrow, give him all my money. One is get that guy as far away from Cleveland as possible. <laughs> uh all right, put, everyone put two hands on the steering wheel if you are driving right now. I want everyone to be safe. If you are, are standing up, please sit down. I don't want you to faint. And now that I've issued this warning, I want to tell you that it's probably somewhere between a seven and an eight. Wow. You want a reunion? I think he would be a perfect fit for it. Once we get past all of the dream scenarios, and you told me right at the outset to cross off the first thing on my list, which is trade for Whit Merrifield. If that's not happening, then yeah, he's near the top of guys that I think would be a perfect fit because he's not a, you're not looking for a long-term thing. He clearly is much better on the right side of the diamond. Um, when he went to Washington, you saw again, defense was good. Uh, bat was better than what it was early in the season with Texas. I know he's another year older, but I think switch hitter fits the lineup. Is familiar with the team, familiar with Tito. I, I think it checks a lot of boxes for what would make sense. And and while it might not be the do cartwheels down Euclid kind of thing, I think he fits. I think he fits a lot of things that they would need just from a guy that goes in and plays uh, at least average to maybe above average defense and probably is going to hit somewhere near average as far as WRC plus. It'll probably be somewhere near 100. If you can get that, that's already an improvement over what Kipnis had given you the last couple of years. It would be so weird. I, I, remember when he came up in 2007? I and do. he was playing second base. He looked like he was the second coming of Omar, just in terms of his, his glove. And he came nowhere near that level of defense when he eventually became the shortstop. I mean, he made some crazy highlight real plays but you look at his metrics and it's like okay this guy was he was fine for a decent amount of time but and then he turned into a 25 home run guy like he 
he became a player that I would not have recognized sure. in 2007, 2008. Um, and so it's interesting, you know, he's, he's still playing. He's still hitting for power, providing about league average offense. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm lukewarm on him. But you're right. He seems like like there are some boomer bust guys on this list. There are guys coming back from injuries. There are um, there are some intriguing names, but th- there are risks. And this is maybe not a situation where the Indians want to take a risk. You know, it's not like they tried to patchwork their DH spot with Hanley and Cargo last year. Well, if if you fail at that you can replace them with anybody because it's your DH spot. Well, if you yeah. fail at your second base spot, you're limited in, in what you can do as an alternative. So Cabrera is one of the safer options. I think I'd put it at a six out of 10. Yeah. I think the, you're right. The floor for him is much more manageable than maybe some other guys. The, the guys that are coming back from injury are the kind of the, sign and cross your fingers and hope everything just happens correctly. But for his Drupal, it's like, I feel pretty confident that at, at worst, he's probably going to give you a, a 90 WRC, like 10 below, uh, 10% below league average offense, which again is an improvement over what you've got from that position in years past and at least be average defensively. And if you're getting that, I mean, that's already probably a win and a half, like what I'm talking about, what you need. Yeah. And also, I don't think a trade for Whit Merrifield's impossible. I was talking to a Royals writer today, actually. We we're trying to go over some scenarios. Just what could a trade look like if these teams were ever to talk? I don't think it would cost a price that the Indians would be um, too hesitant to part with. I think it's more so the Royals just don't want to trade the face of their franchise. And they don't want to do it in division for some reason. But that's... Neither here nor there. God, that's silly. It, it so you, is, so it you is. hold on to the guy that's crossing the 30-year-old threshold. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that doesn't make much sense no. to me. But I'm not running the franchise, so All whatever. Right. Next name, Starlin Castro. Yeah. Uh, he was among the guys that I initially wrote down and kind of crossed off just because didn't do a ton for me. So I'll probably put it somewhere near three or four on my list. I agree. Um, I think he's pretty similar to someone we'll get to later, Jonathan Scope, except Scope could hit 30 home runs and Castro's not going to do that. Uh, not a good on-base percentage. He, it's crazy because he's he's only going to be 30 next year, but he's been in the league for 10 years already. Yeah. Um, he's just – I think there are more interesting guys than him. I, I, do too. I, I just don't think the upside is there and the the absolute worst that I think he could be is just not as good as some of the other guys on the list. Yeah. All right. Brian Dozier. Oh, man. I'm, I'm not super high on him as well. I, I feel like he's probably in the, the realm of the right-handed hitting Jason Kipnis situation where it's like okay guys start to get older their skills start to decline and particularly guys that play the middle infield and it's like okay what else do they bring to the table and for Dozier was power for a lot of years with Minnesota but again I feel like there are more interesting names on the list it's not as bad as I feel about Castro 
uh, but probably not anywhere where I would put like his Drupal fitting. Uh, so I, I guess I'll say five. Okay. I, I would go six. I, he's interesting to me. I think some of his underlying metrics say that he still has some ability in there. Um, and man, he was a really, really good player from 2014 to 2017. Yeah, not, but not I even mean, that long ago. Yeah, but again, you're right, though. It's like, well, Kipnis was a really good player from up in, until 2017. So it's, it's tough. It, it's, do you want to take that risk with a guy like that? Do you want to commit two years to him? Do you want to commit, I don't know, seven, eight million dollars? It's, it's, that's a tough one. So I, I put him, I mean, he's not at the top of my list. I'm intrigued by him, though, because I think he can still hit 25, 30 home runs if he has a decent sure. year. And that's that's always tempting, but now, I know we haven't gotten to him yet. But I mean, you mentioned him. I, I would put scope ahead of him, and if yeah. if that is possible, then I'm looking at all those other alternatives. A guy like Scope, I would put a lot closer to as Drupal, where I think he fits a lot of needs. You mentioned the power aspect. I know some of that happened in Baltimore. Hasn't been the same player for the last couple of years, uh, but I still think he's an intriguing player that I would put above him on my list and probably give him closer to a six or a seven. How about Wilmer Flores? Yeah, to be honest, I hadn't even thought of or really even dug in on him, but I know you tried to lay out a semi-interesting case recently. So you tell me, you sell me on why Wilmer Flores makes He's He's fascinating to me. So he, he had a phenomenal year last year, but he only played like 89 games. He hit 317. His OPS was 848. He's only going to be 28 next season. Um, absolutely crushed fastballs last year, something he hadn't done in the past. Uh, he's been a solid hitter in his career. He's, he's hit like it's not like he came out of nowhere. He had seasons with the Mets where he hit um, close to 20 home runs and, and wasn't playing 160 games. He's... He's interesting, and I, I wonder if he maybe has more upside than anybody on this list because of his age. Uh, he doesn't have the wear and tear some other guys have. I, I put him the, – the downside, I guess, here is that there's risk in just he hasn't been really good for a long enough time to convince you that you want to grant him multiple years or 600 plate appearances. Uh, yeah, but, but why is he on this list? <laughs> for those very same reasons. And the weird thing is the Diamondbacks declined. He had a $6 million option, and they declined to pay it. So I, I put him at a seven. Uh, he, he's interesting to me, and I I like the age. I, I, I like him, and he's a versatile guy. He's played all over the infield. You know, maybe he's a guy who could stick yeah. around for more than a year. I mean, just looking real quick, some of the expected numbers are – right around average over the past three or four years. Um, you have to appreciate he's, he's not going to strike out a ton. Um, in fact, his strikeout numbers have been spectacular uh, in recent seasons. He's not going to walk a ton either, but he's at least, I, I, yeah, I guess he's somewhat intriguing. I, yeah, I'll, I'll grant you that. I will add him to the list. And we'll consider. I appreciate that. All right, let's move on. Solid for listening to all my ranting about signing an outfielder. A third baseman on the list, Todd Frazier. 
Yeah, Once I put a him, trade target of the Indians when he was with yeah, the Reds. I, I put him on the list too. I, um, you know, some versatility between third and first. You could a year early get Jose Ramirez reacclimated to second base. I like that uh, idea. And it, in uh, anticipation of Nolan Jones, um, and we know Jose Ramirez doesn't want to shift around a lot. So if it becomes a case where Nolan Jones kicks the door down at some point in 2020. It would be a lot easier to plug him in at third base, keep Jose at second, keep moving Todd Frazier around, you know, DH first base. Doesn't mean he has to get relegated completely to the bench if he's performing well. So I think there's some, uh, I think there's some good things about him. Um, and still not, you know, he hasn't been terrible. Uh, so I, I think he's uh, probably up there with where I would put Scope and his Druble, probably floating somewhere between uh, a six or a seven on, on my uh, desire. Yeah, I thought he was pretty close to washed up. And then he, he had a pretty good year last year, all things considered. Um, so I, I agree with you. It's it's weird because the there's so many second basemen on the free agent market. So it you know you almost just assume they're going to sign one of these guys and keep Jose at third for another year. But you're right. Like, if, if you're confident Nolan Jones is going to be your third baseman, whether a year from now or six months from now, then it could behoove you to move Jose Ramirez across the diamond now so that you don't run into that issue, as you mentioned. Because it's not like Nolan Jones is, I mean, odds are he's not just going to come up on April 1st, 2021. I mean, guys come up in the middle of the season. So you don't know exactly when that's going to be. And you don't want Jose Ramirez to have to just switch positions two months into a season. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I I think I would still put Cabrera probably ahead of him if we're ranking it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he's he is definitely among the guys that makes sense, and I think should, and I stress think I think should fall into the category of, of something they could actually afford. Yeah, he seems like that seems like what they're gonna do, doesn't it? Doesn't Todd Frazier seem destined? To be an Indian at some point <laughs> finally, in his career. Finally, one day. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see the walk rate dipped a little bit from where it's been. Um, he strikes out a little bit, but not a ton. Well, remember, Contact. he he didn't know when off-speed pitches were coming. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only there was someone there to bang a trash can uh, a couple of times to let him know what happened to be on its way. Yeah, again, I feel like all of these players... None of them are going to be like perfect over the moon. Yeah, that just makes so much sense. And because of, of those guys that we, we should be talking about, I don't think any of them are going to be realistic pursuit options for the Indians. So you are left to just dig in the, the 499 bin. But in that bin, this is like the, the one movie you hadn't seen in a couple of years and you're willing to pay that 499 for just to pop it in the DVD player and see if it uh, still holds up. For me, that's pretty much every movie. Um, all right, Scooter Jeanette. I have no idea. Uh, I, I really, I really don't, because if we're talking about the kind of player he had been uh, arriving in Cincinnati, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. But is he staying on the field? Is he still the same player when he doesn't hit? Within uh, a launching pad, 
these are really curious things to me. What do you think? Let me let me chew on it a little bit more. And, and what do you think? So, I know I've said that like you don't want to take too much risk if you're the Indians because because you kind of need you can't swing and miss on this. You can't have like Juan Uribe was valuable because he he really helped Jose Ramirez blossom, but man, Juan Uribe was terrible on the field. <laughs> You can't have that. You can't have another Hanley or Cargo. You can't have a guy who flames out and we're asking in mid-May, like, how much longer of a leash can you give this guy? You have to nail this. Um, and Scooter Jeanette played 42 games last year, and when he played, he was dreadful. He, I think, was it the Giants? Yeah, he went from yeah. the Reds to the Giants, and the Giants cut ties with him, and that was it, like. People were asking me, why don't the Indians pick him up? And I'm like, because he hasn't been healthy. And when he's been healthy this year, he's been terrible. Um, and to try to work him back in September and, and have him knock the rust off and be productive, it was too much to ask. So all that said, he was a really good hitter the few years before that. And he's going to have, like, he's not going to cost you much. I almost like him. I, I, like, I don't want to put a one through 10 on this because I like the idea of signing him. Cause I think he has a really good chance of having a nice bounce back season, but I would want another guy signed too as insurance just in case it doesn't yeah, I mean, work the, out. If you're talking spring training invites and yeah, I mean, absolutely. He makes a ton of sense, but guaranteeing him money. I, I, Based on what we saw, based on some of the things that make him, that already made him dangerous before last year, are only accented by the fact that he only, he did only play in forty games and did, didn't even post the six hundred OPS last year. Uh, you had concerns about him being a great hitter, anyways, because of what we know Great American Ballpark can do for hitter stats. Um, so yeah, I, he's interesting, but a guy that I don't think you could just. If you're signing him with the idea of guaranteeing him the second base job, I think there are better ways to go, I guess is the best way I could say it. Sure. How about Brock Holt? Brock Holt. It's a guy that I almost have to... If I spend enough time looking at, <laughs> if I spend enough time looking at his fan graphs pages and examining his baseball savant pages and looking at... I can talk myself into him very, very quickly, and I almost wonder why he hasn't gotten gotten more of an extended opportunity. But he's also a guy, and, and that doesn't even mention his versatility. And I think I think of all the ways that a guy like that should be used, and I think I think he would be a tremendous fit for the roster. All that said, can you give him 600 plate appearances in a year? I'm a little nervous about that. I think Brock Holt at 350 to 400 plate appearances is really intriguing. Particularly if you're pairing him with a guy, maybe like a platoon option. But are they signing him for doing more than that? I, that that's where it gets dangerous to me. So I, I, I think he's really intriguing. He's up there on the list of guys that I think should be pursued. But he's also a guy that makes me a little bit nervous. It's weird because... like. I, you almost wish Mike Freeman wasn't there because Brock Holt would be – I'm skeptical that Mike Freeman can be as productive at the plate as he was last season. 
It's really? Just, you're that you're <laughs> skeptical? I mean, his track record indicates that <laughs> that was not quite the norm. Brock Holt has proven most years to be a pretty reliable hitter, but like you said, not a guy who you want to give 600 plate appearances to. So if you had, like, if you signed Scooter Jeanette and Brock Holt, aren't you confident between those two guys? <laughs> One of those like, guys? Yeah. Um, so obviously, I don't think Holt is in the cards just because you have Mike Freeman and you have Mike Freeman for about $550,000 as opposed to whatever Holt gets, which is going to be more than that. Yeah, but, um, but you yeah, know, I mean, Terry he... Francona is, is dreaming of another super utility guy on his roster. Sure. Especially sure, with, guy. I mean, you're going to have an extra, you get 26 man rosters next year. So it's not you're like you're that, burning a spot. That has put up a three over a 360 on base percentage the last two years and a 340 in his career. And, um, has been, you know, nearing an 800 OPS the last two years. It's happening in, it, he's not as an everyday player, but again, that comes back to, can you, is that a guy that you pair with somebody from the right-hand side and you can bounce hold around? I, I think he, he fits the roster a lot. A lot. Uh, a lot of these guys do because they at least play second base. They're capable of standing out there and they don't have a lot of guys like that. Uh but I also don't know if it's if it's with the idea of making us a 150 uh, game commitment to him as playing, you know, getting 550 at bats. I, I don't I don't know. I have no idea if I can expect him to to be better than some of these other guys. Okay. I guess. Agreed. All right. Jose Iglesias. Uh, not really that enthralled at all. He can be your hero, baby. Yeah, not. Really, not really digging it. How do you go from Brock Holt, who I talk myself into that almost every single day, to Iglesias, who I have that's that's as close to a zero as I can get. Honestly. Wow, why is that? I don't know, I'm just not. I, I I look at all the other guys that we're talking about that are intriguing, and I look at him, and I'm just not. I'm not as into it. He hit 288 last year. Can that just be my? Can that just be my idea, my my thought? That's fine. I mean, I would have liked him a year ago. He could have been your shortstop in April instead of Eric Stamets, but we know how that played out. Um, yeah, I mean, f- tell me why I should be more intrigued. He's got a good glove. He hit I mean, better I, last I, year than he I know. usually does. I don't know. Yeah. Also have it in Cincinnati, and I like to throw all those numbers out almost all the time. But I mean, it's, yeah, fair. I mean, I would put him pretty low on my list too. But you said zero. That's kind of shocking. Did you know mean, that but... Jose Iglesias last year, his expected wOBA, which takes into account his uh, launch angle and exit velocity on the balls that he hits, and kind of gives you an expected number on what to to believe his numbers should have been compared to what they actually were. Last year, his ex-WOBA was in the 8th percentile. 8th. That makes me say, whoa, bruh. 8th. <laughs> so the 92% of hitters posted better <laughs> ex-WOBAs last year. Uh, he's still kind of speedy. Still kind of puts up, uh, okay, expected batting average. A lot of other guys that would take before Iglesias. All right. How about Howie Kendrick? Postseason yeah, I, hero. Yeah. 
Yeah. How about I stand on top of this crate right now and shout about how I said the Indians should go get him last year. I actually said that in the middle of the year when the, the Nationals were were tanking and I thought that they should upgrade second base. And I said, how about Howie Kendrick? And you just kind of dismissed it and we moved on and no one ever said anything about it ever again. Because I knew the Nationals were going to make a run to the World Series. Of course you did. Of Kendrick course was going to play an integral part in that. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, uh, I think he's uh, he's definitely intriguing, but what does what does this World Series resume do to his price? I'm I'm really curious. Does he stick with Washington because of of you know all the heroics in the postseason? They've got a kid, Carter Kaboom, I think, who's like ready to be their second baseman. I, I mean, maybe he plays first because I think Zimmerman's probably not coming back. But mm-hmm. and I think that's he... probably where Kendrick is best suited now. He, well, and that's playing, that's the issue. Yeah, he's playing. He was playing second when the team was in the National League. Uh, but you saw they were eager to get Estrubo Cabrera in the lineup, playing second base whenever they were in the American League, and they could put Kendrick at DH. So I mean, it is crazy. It, they had Kendrick Cabrera and Dozier. Yeah, uh, which plays into you know why. I, Dozier's lower on the list. He couldn't make his way. I, I, I don't know all the details of Dozier last year. But, I mean, if he's putting up a 966 OPS, you'll find a spot for him. That's what's crazy is, is he's going to turn 37 and you, you say, all right, that's too old to be our second baseman. But the guy has done nothing but hit the last few years. I mean, th- the last three years he's hit 325 with an 888 OPS. Yeah. I know he's not playing every day, and I know he's – he can barely move at second base, but it is like maybe he's your second baseman slash first baseman slash left fielder slash DH. I don't know him. How about Howie Kendrick and Brock Holt? Can't they cover all the FS yeah. you need to cover? And now now you've spent all your offseason money. <laughs> well, at least I didn't spend it on a 35-year-old designated. Uh, uh, so Kendrick's ex-Woba, because you might think to yourself, ah, well, he's, he was 36 last year. Maybe it's fluky. Maybe he just kind of lucked his way into having a 966 OPS. The ex-Woba, to bring it back up, 98th percentile last year. The dude mashed when he was on the field. Absolutely mashed. Credit to he's him. A, I mean, yeah, that, was, he's a, that was fantastic last year for him. He's a good clubhouse guy, too, I've heard. He's interesting. I, 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 I mean, would prefer obviously, someone who's got some better range at second base at this point yeah. in his career. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you're probably right. At this point, he's probably best suited to be a guy that faces a lot of left-handed pitching, maybe plays against some righties, bounces around a little bit, but probably shouldn't be sticking at second base every single day. All right, Jonathan Scope. Uh, well, I already laid out what I like about Scope, so you tell so me is now. He, w- would you put him at, at an eight? Is he above Cabrera? On your left, uh, or tied. I don't remember what I said. I mean, he's right there. I think I would put his Druble slightly above him, but either one of those guys, I think, would be fine additions. Interesting. He's so weird because he was like, well, I don't ninth really know last him. year for the Twins. <laughs> he was sitting ninth for the Twins, or, or at least at the bottom of their order. And I think once they called up Luis Arise to play second base. Scope kind of fell out of favor, but like he was still slugging nearly 500, and he's he's only going to be 28 next season. It's it's a weird, a weird guy. Like he's got some some value. Um, 
he's probably as interesting to me as anybody on this list. But there, I, I'm not crazy about guys who don't ever walk. And, and if that on-base percentage is low, then if you, if you have a year where you're not having a high batting average on balls in play, then your on-base percentage is, and your batting average are going to be really low. And that kind of, I mean, you can hit 30 home runs and still have a, a shitty OPS. So I, it, it's what we said. Every guy on this list has a drawback. You know, I, I'm... I'm interested in scope. Howie Kendrick, I like, but for a different role. Brock Holt, I like, but for a completely different role. Scooter Jeanette, I like, but there is so much risk there. Todd Frazier, I like, but he's a third baseman. He's old. <laughs> like Wilmer Flores, I really like, but there's so much uncertainty there. Like scope is probably the guy who I think I can bank on. Like I, I know for a fact he's if he stays healthy he's going to hit at least 25 home runs, right? At least I can guarantee that. And so I think that maybe sets him apart for me. But, like, there's still... Yeah, like, everybody's I don't got even know warts. If, nobody's yeah. nobody's going to be perfect. There's, no matter who you, you think, when you pull up this list and you think, that's the guy, that's the one they need to target. No matter who that is, I could sit here and say, yeah, but what about this? And you could do that with almost all, any of these guys. And it's the reason why... They're, they're part of the, this list is because the Indians aren't going to be able to go out and spend a ton of money on Anthony Rendon. It's not happening. No one thinks that it's going to happen. And we could spend all day talking about all the things they should do with their money, but we're also living in reality. And so you're going to have to pick from this list. And I do think well, that there are at least enough guys on this list that are semi-intriguing and at least close enough to average with the bat. They're going to accomplish all the things I talked about a few weeks ago when I said I just need to lengthen out this lineup with guys that don't stink, with guys that aren't automatic outs. And at least there are some guys on this list that are, I think are at least capable of that. Eric Sogard, do anything for you? Uh, well, I mean, it would be fun just to see a guy with glasses hitting cleanup for you. But no, I mean, he had an interesting year last year, but I don't think any of it was believable. So no. Not really. All right. How about Brad Miller? <laughs> the Indians aren't interested in good ballplayers. So, nah. Not really. And one other name. Jason Kipnis. Oh, you dirty dog. Sneaking him back onto this list. That, that, that marriage is over. Right? Yeah. Yes. We both agree with, with thinking that way. According to many people who I've talked to about the situation, including him, like, I mean, he, he treated this season as a contract year from the get-go. Yeah. He, he knew, he has thought all along that there is virtually no chance he comes back. It seems like uh, there's a segment of the fan base who, like, refuses to believe that for whatever reason. Um, even if, and I've had tons of conversations with him about it, even if you eliminate those, and you just look at like Kipnis and how he's answered questions to the media, how he's said thank you to Cleveland, his last shoe toss, like he took pictures with fans and like made it seem like it was his last one ever. Like, like he has <laughs> not hidden the fact that no. he, he would be shocked if he came back. Um, and it seems, I mean, look, his WRC plus the last three years, eight. 
80, 89, 82. Like, is it possible that he rebounds? And like, like I think his ceiling is probably league average, but we haven't seen that in four years. So I, why would you? Yeah. Why would you resort to that when there are other the, people on this list that maybe can give you more? We've seen him play through all these injuries. I'm not going to believe that he's going to make it through a full season unscathed, too. I think that plays mm-hmm. a factor in it. There's probably guys that are more durable. Uh, and I, I, Having no real idea of knowing what his inner psyche is truly, I think he could benefit from a fresh start elsewhere. Yep. Where, I mean, he, he comes here and no matter what is, is, is happening, in the back of your mind, you always remember him being a top three most valuable player on the team or most vital cog on the team. And he can go elsewhere and just kind of be a, a throw-in where he's a bonus if he provides offense. And if he doesn't, then no one's really upset about it. And maybe he can finish his career and go run his restaurant. You know what? At that point, I just feel like both sides are probably in a a, a position where it doesn't have to be unhealthy, but it can just be a, a good separation, and and just see what else is out there. I'm fascinated to see where he lands because it's the type of guy who winds up like being the Tigers' second baseman in a lot of scenarios. That um, would be very weird to see him 19 times a year in a different <laughs> uniform. And on a team destined to lose 110 games. Yeah, very true. All right, well, we've talked uh, a lot about all these different options. And if you have an opinion on it, you can hit us up on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, at Selby is Godcast. Of course, you can slide into our DMs there if you have a suggestion about things you'd like to hear on future podcasts. And like I said, anyone that has done that in the past, we take it into account. Uh, but we're trying to get out in front on a few topics, including this one today, like we did a few weeks ago. If you heard, missed our dis- uh, discussion on Francisco Lindor, you can go back a few weeks and find it. I know it's been uh, a hot topic, you know, as national reporters are hearing things are intensifying or whatever is happening. Uh, if you'd like to hear our thoughts about it, you can travel back in time and listen to a past Selby is Godcast. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that as well over at Anchor. We thank all of the all of our loyal people that keep us going each and every single week. Uh, you are, you guys are, are really the, the only thing that keeps this podcast going sometimes. So I want to thank all of you that, that do enable us to bring this podcast each and every single week and sometimes multiple times per week. Any closing thoughts for our listeners this week? Yeah, actually, I have a random Indian for you. All right, well, we can mix that in quickly. I figured, you know, we'd gone almost an hour, but if you... If you got one for me, then let's throw it my way. Don't worry. This is not a second baseman. Uh, this guy played 42 games for the Indians in 2002. He was 34 years old at the time. He played 11 years in the majors. It was his only year in Cleveland. He had started in the majors in 1995. Um... In 2002, 42 games, batted 214, 543 OPS, no home runs. What's crazy, I mean, he was 34 years old, and yet he still played three more years after that. Wow. Yeah. 
which might be a hint. Maybe he provided value doing something else. Uh, he became a pitcher? No. Oh. I don't know. Provided value doing something else. And played three more years? Uh, I, I don't know. He was born in Ciudad Ojeda, Venezuela. He played for Atlanta and Milwaukee in addition to Cleveland. The bulk of his time in the majors with Atlanta. Uh, Terry Pendleton. No, wait, that's mm-hmm. not it. <laughs> 11 seasons in the majors, but never played more than 107 games in a season. Uh, wait, 2002, would it have been Eddie Perez? Eddie Perez, yes. He was the, uh, was he the personal catcher for Greg Maddox, I think? Uh, I think Eventually. so, yeah. Yeah, and his first year was 95. Um, did not play in the postseason that year. Can't remember their name of their backup catcher to Javi Lopez. It's just watching something with him in it. But uh, yeah, he became the Braves backup catcher in 96 then. Came to the Indians in 02. Uh, he was traded by the Braves to the Indians at the end of spring training for a minor leaguer named Jason Fitzgerald. And then he left the Indians, played a year in Milwaukee, hit pretty well, then went back to Atlanta. Eddie Perez. Yes, not to be confused with Eduardo Perez. No. But that was part of it. I had to think of which one goes by Eduardo and which one goes by Eddie. All right, well, Hope everyone enjoyed this week's podcast. I know you enjoyed it because you're getting ready to leave for vacation. So we'll see what happens in the meantime without you. But just, you know, know that the podcast will go on, even if you're not here. You do this every year. You have a podcast where it's just shit-talking Zach. Well, you make it so easy. So uh, what am I supposed to do, you know? We'll look forward to the upcoming podcast. We'll talk all outfielders and DHs because Zach won't try to stop me. Until then, we're out of here. See ya. The Selvius Godcast featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter, at Godcast. Thanks for listening.